And we are going to go to verse 43. <clears throat> now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. In the two days we read yesterday was in the region of Samaria, which is on the way from Jerusalem in the south of Israel up to Galilee. And so the Lord went from Samaria to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. In his own hometown in Nazareth, they didn't receive him. The people that were in charge of the temple, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, a lot of them did not receive him. Capernaum had a hard time receiving him. And the Lord had some very sharp words for certain cities and certain people. The Pharisees took offense as well. They told the disciples at one point, don't you know, in speaking what Jesus just spoke, doesn't he know that he offended us? And so the truth will offend. Many people were offended at Jesus. And these people would not receive him. Recognize the anointing of God and the prophet's calling with signs and wonders didn't put fear into them. They didn't want the truth. But the people that went down to Jerusalem to the feast from Galilee they received him. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. It's not talking about the whole city, that they all received him. But there was a nobleman's son who happened to reside or was found in Capernaum, at this point, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. You have to stop and really 
feel the pressure that father would have felt. It's a very, very traumatic experience. We've been there many times. Just at the brink of death, crying out to the Lord and God came through. But to these people, from that region, they really didn't believe, and that's why you had to pronounce judgment. Unless your people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, in other parts of the Bible, the Gospels and the Book of Acts, it's written that God approved of Jesus Christ by signs and wonders. And the Lord Jesus himself <clears throat> said, at least believe me for the work's sake, even if you don't believe me from what I'm saying, or accept my person. Don't you know these works that I'm doing has to be from the Father, has to be from heaven? So is this a contradiction? It's uh, similar to the statement he said, an evil and an adulterous generation seeks after signs. In other words, they had signs and wonders, but they want more. They want more and more and more and more, but they will not surrender to Jesus Christ. It's a good point to stop here and to understand and take note. There are certain people, and we have spoken to some people like that, no matter how many things God does and shows with unmistakable proofs that this is from heaven, signs and wonders and Jesus Christ is the living God. Their position is, show me more, show me more, show me more, show me more, show me more. And they'll forever say, show me more, if they could. But the problem is, there's a cutoff point. And God will come and pronounce a judgment. Not everyone had to wait till judgment day. Certain people in certain cities, while Jesus was walking for about three to three and a half years or so, in active public ministry, he pronounced the ultimate end of certain people in certain towns. Imagine somebody coming and saying, oh, Jesus, you're supposed to show love, Jesus. You're hurting people. You're calling fire from heaven. Uh, you're talking about brimstone and you're talking about the lowest hell and you're calling people whitewashed tombs and dead men's bones are in you and you rascals, you fox Herod, you brood of vipers, you adulterous people. It's interesting how the majority of Christians today don't even know certain things are in the Gospels and they are of Christ, supposedly, which means they should be thoroughly acquainted with the four rather small books containing the synopsis of God's life as a man. And they would pick and choose what they'd like. And they would conveniently omit, if they could, certain things that are just a little too uh, divisive and sharp. Jesus said quite a number of statements. 
including you, you guys who are talking about God and all this. Um, you're of the devil. The devil's your father. The devil is your daddy. He told religious people. He told uh, people in the ministry. He told anyone and everyone who would come that he would see, not suspect, but actually know their hearts way before they came near him. When he saw somebody wicked and deceitful, he called it out. But a lot of Christians have a version of Jesus that is uh, not only harmless and blameless, which is good, but also spineless, which is not the Jesus of the Bible. Spineless means the person is like a worm. They'll wobble and they will cave into pressure. They won't speak the truth. The Lord was blameless and harmless, never spineless. He stood for the truth and he spoke the truth. And the wonderful thing is, there are people like Nicodemus, a ruler, as well as Joseph of Arimathea, a ruler, and many priests who heard the Lord Jesus denounce and renounce a number of people in power, especially religious folk. Now they could have said, you know, you're not only radical, carpenter, carpenter's son from uh, Galilee, but you really should watch your mouth, you know. <laughs> you can't be calling people snakes and uh, Herod himself a fox and, you know, this name-calling business is not a good thing, Jesus. Maybe we need to get you to the ministry school to learn how to speak and, you know, be a little more polished, if you would, please. It's a very different Jesus that a lot of Christians uh, would like to identify with, contrary to the Bible. He is love. He is kind. But certain words didn't sound kind at all. Not at all. Even though he's love. And yet, it was the truth. He didn't do it to put people down, just to call them names. But he diagnosed that Satan is behind the system. I've got to speak the truth because my father's not happy with this. He didn't care what the Pharisees taught, taught or thought, for that matter. He didn't care what anybody thought. He went to the temple and he did something that nobody did. What was that? One day in Christian school, when I was teaching the little ones, second graders, many years ago, I was reading to them this very passage about the overturning of the tables. And the little ones saw some drama from me because... I wanted to impress upon them how real the Word of God is and how we need to understand this. I explained everything to them. But I did a little drama where I moved the tables a little bit roughly in the chairs and I pretended to be like Jesus. 
to get the idea across. They'll never forget. They're a little bit scared, but then I explained, we need to know what's happening. And I remember one of the mother of the students, one of the mothers of the student, rather, was the wife of one of the pastors in that Assemblies of God church. She complained, not at the drama, but she said, um, my son is crying every day after school when he comes from your class. I said, really? I said, uh, I see no indication of that. He seems to be a happy child, David. She said, oh, yes, breaking my heart. I said, what's the matter? She said, you make him read the Bible for a half an hour every day. That wasn't true. And they read the particular verse that I put going through the Bible in order, the book of John actually, to teach the little ones what they never learned before. Even though this was a child of a pastor who went to Sunday school and all the church activities, the mom was involved in helping her husband in the ministry. And here the mother's crying, saying, he's crying because you're making every child read a half an hour at the beginning of the school day before math or literature or language arts. And uh, I said, um, he's never ever cried in class, never indicated anything like that. He's, a, he's very happy. All the children are very happy hearing the truth and they're just captivated by the presentation and I pray with them, and so many children came to me with their problems. Said, Daddy's banging the table, his head on the table, asking me to pray. Another one's crying, saying, my sister did this and all different things. And there were real problems, I came to find out, in the families. And the little ones would come and huddle around my desk, the teacher's desk. They'd be on their knees and we'd pray together. And the parents knew that I did things differently, and at the end of the year, they were so thankful. They were actually literally in tears, the parents, because God was moving upon the children. Well, the reports came not too long after this complaint from the very father, the past, one of the pastors of this leading AG church, and he said, my child knows more scriptures probably than any other child I know. Thank you. And his behavior has changed. We don't know how to thank you, parent after parent. The Holy Spirit working, but the mother complained. She said, uh, he's in tears, you're making him read half an hour. I said, this is actually not true. I have them read for about five or ten minutes. Let the children read the word. Instead of giving them some gimmick Sunday school lesson that causes them to remain immature. And they loved it. This woman was rustled up inside because she did not like the idea of the children reading the Bible at all, unfortunately. The truth is, if I can speak the truth, this woman who was otherwise very nice, very much into ministry, an evil spirit was working in her. That's the truth, if we want the truth. 
And she came to try to stop me from doing what God told me to do. And so this Jesus goes into the temple and does something quite outrageous. Couldn't he have just said it a little more sternly? Look, you need to get out of here. I'm really upset with you. But he had to go and lay hands not to bless but to warn very strictly take all the stuff out of here making merchandise from my father's house you thieves get out basically you're making my father's house a den of thieves very important lest anyone should think that Pastor Pradeep is uh, he has a penchant for looking at the negative things and bringing out the things that we don't like to hear or most people don't preach. I have to answer to the Lord because the Lord helps us to diagnose by the Spirit some of the very fundamental problems that exist today and account for the sore weakness, the severe weakness in spirituality among many Christians. They just don't want everything Jesus said. They want to pick and choose. And so the fear of God is not in them like it should be. And they'll pass on this impotent version of the gospel where everything's love and let's all, you know, kumbaya. Hopefully God will come by here and we'll sing together, we'll do ministry together, do all kinds of stuff together. But don't you say anything bad about me or my family or my ministry. Don't judge me. You're going to get judged. I'd rather have somebody pronounce judgment to me if I really am wrong. I want to know. I really want to know. Something's wrong, I want to know before God. And let God be the judge. How is that going to happen when so many opinions abound? We need to know every word in the book. We cannot go wrong. Hallelujah. When we know every word in the book and we pray and we yield it to the Lord and we say, Lord, we have a friction, show me. Show me, Lord. You show me, Lord. Show me. What do you say? I don't know about you, but in my life, there are times when I had to really stop and rethink how I approach certain things. God wants us to be humble and learn. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Help me. I know what you're saying. You're diagnosing the situation, but right now I'm in need and I need help, Lord. You see how the Lord was operating here? The man comes with a need. There are people who find fault with the Lord. Say, Lord, what in the world are you bringing this up for now? The man's son is about to die, and you're preaching about the people. How important it is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Many times it's quite counter to the way people do ministry. All of a sudden, God has a sharp word. What? Sounds very insensitive. 
the man's child is at death, can you just go and heal him? Or say a word about that? What's this about? Unless you people see signs and wonders, you, you by no means believe. Well, uh, this was a case in point. God was dealing with a particular instance to bring out the general problem with the region. This man, obviously, was from that place too. Maybe he wasn't as bad as the rest of the people, but there's a fundamental problem that he wasn't committed to the Lord. He was a nobleman, but he was not God's man. Well, the Lord has all power, perfect timing. He's full of compassion, even when he says sharp things. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. If I can read between the lines here, I may think that the Lord could have felt your son is going to be okay. Did you hear what I just said before that? How often we can just say, I just want to get what I want now. God, give me the promotion, give me the job, give me the healing, give me the marriage I'm looking for, give me the business to prosper. I, I want this, that, and the other thing. I would love to shine for you, but I really like to shine also in the mirror when I look at myself. It's wonderful. What about God's word to change us from the core and to give us this supernatural vision to see the Big picture as God sees it from heaven's point of view. His kingdom, his kingdom is about much more than us. As individuals, it's about him. It's about his way of doing things. And we have to conform to his way. Not him to conform to us or even 50-50. 100% Lord, show me. I don't know anything. I have to rethink my entire position of Christianity. How many people have come to us? Even yesterday, we were speaking to at least two separate people, individuals, who had to be reminded, and they also were sharing, how everything changed. Everything, the whole Christian experience, radically changed since they came here. They were so thankful. They're pouring out in prayer. And sometimes the vision can get cloudy. Sometimes we can forget what God is doing. And sometimes we can not perceive. But in all those things, it's okay. Because we can always say, Lord, clear this up for me, please. I don't understand. Rather than saying, no, this is how I'll understand it, Lord. And uh, I don't want any changes. The Lord healed the man's son. How merciful our Lord is. There are people who are pleading to God for your children. I read here the Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. God cares. He cares. He sees our tears. 
we can cry out to him and he will come and help. That's his nature if we can believe. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Something happened there. He chose to believe. He may not have understood the general condemnation for unbelief, the pronouncement that's going to come upon his city, How to apply this in the broader context of discipleship. We need to walk by faith, not by sight. But at this juncture when the Lord said, your son lives, go on, go your way. He took that. And this is vital for us to believe what God has said. It's possible to speak words of faith without having faith. Very sobering statement. But it could very well be true if we don't stop and consider whether I'm really believing. It's possible to speak words of faith, meaning faith lingo, without having faith. Not speak words of faith because of faith, but speak words of faith without having faith. But how can you speak words of faith if you don't have faith? As explained, we can speak the right words and struggle to believe. Something that we have to deal with. Something that we can't ignore. And that's why we can pray passionately in even a hundred prayers. It's possible that with all that praying and expressing The surface, words of faith, we may really struggle to believe on the inside. And the Holy Spirit may be speaking to us to say, if you just pray one time with real faith, you would rejoice knowing the answer is on the way. Rather than continuously be off balance even during the prayer when you pray believe that you receive exercise faith and God will do wonders thank you Lord and as he was now going down the man that chose to believe Jesus word his servants met him and told him saying your son lives then he inquired of them the hour when he got better and they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour about 1 p.m. the fever left him so we see more details here the child was at the point of death with uh, some kind of fever 
obviously very, very high fever. So the father knew that it was about 1 p.m. In fact, the same 1 p.m. when Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole, whole household. I have to stop and think I could do a Bible study and I could think about the progressive revelation of God and um, what he's saying about Capernaum and the region and the Galilee, um, certain places there, Chorazin, Bethsaida. Um, I can get those facts and really say, well, I'm comprehending this, but if I miss the deliverance that came to this child desperation of the Father, the word of faith that the Son of God spoke and commanded the person to believe. Because when he spoke the word, he expected the man to take the word and believe. And then the miraculous restoration, the healing that came, I have to stop and say, what if I was that man? I was that man a number of times. Child, children were at the point of death. What do you do? What am I going to do differently? Is there something I need to do differently? Or can I just say, well, I, I believed God. I cried out to Him. I did all the right things. And God did a miracle. So that's that. I have to look at it and say, was there something the Lord was showing me that I need to improve upon? My approach when I come to a crisis, oh Lord, we're helpless, but you expect us to believe the one who can help. Did I have faith? Was it weak faith? Can I say, well, I got through, and I really don't have to worry about strengthening my faith, I suppose, because I made it. Or should I be wise and say, Lord, I want you to show me if there's something for me to learn. I need to grow. I need to grow. Lord, I need to be more like you. With every passage, what a blessing for me and every brother, every sister to come away with what God is saying to me after understanding the context. And to say, Lord, I believe. Who believe, Lord? Lord, when things look impossible, and I'm crying out to you. I would choose to believe you, Lord. You're my only hope. You're my best hope. You're the best hope. And the details are here that the Father wanted to inquire when it happened also, you see. Showing, as the Word of God says in the book of Psalms, the Word of God runs swiftly. Throughout the earth. As the rain and snow come from the sky, from heaven, and does not return, the word will not return void. There's a certainty. There's a precision. God works very precisely. He created time. And he controls time. 
and he who dwells in eternity is able to operate in time and the time is important because there's a set time and when my faith meets the promise of God the answer will come hallelujah thank you Jesus hallelujah notice the result of this miracle and he himself believed in his whole household there are people among our relatives among our friends among fellow Christians who go through life without really trusting God but the faith is very weak and they think they're okay they have a very false estimation of themselves because why? they're not in any particular disaster and they seem to be going along okay but God is speaking. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He's saying, strengthen the things that remain because you're ready to die. You, got, you have things that need to be changed. You think you're rich, but you're really poor. You're, you think you're all that, but you're wretched and blind, as he says in Revelation. Ooh. That's not encouraging. Actually, it is. Because the same God who diagnosed the disease that Severe disease of the soul gave the remedy. Be zealous and repent. There are members of the family who just have a hard time believing this Christianity stuff. They go through the motions, you know. Why not visit church on Easter and dress up and Easter bunny and Christmas cookies and know Mother's Day Father's Day get honored and it's nice society is going along smoothly everybody loves each other small town where everybody knows your name the question always is does God know my name can I hear God speaking to me or am I just riding the waves that are foaming out shame because they're very much in a different place than where God wants them who's going to speak the hard things these are the very things that got revivalists in big trouble read the history of revivals John Wesley, Marie Monson George Whitfield Charles Finney George Miller Smith Wigglesworth. Many of them. The establishment, they were upset. Christians and Christian leaders. What is this man doing? What do Maria Woodsworth Edder? Or Maria Edder Woodsworth. Opposition anger and slandering and all these things because you know why a woman like Maria Woodsworth stood up and said you guys are playing church you have no power they got angry they started publishing articles they tried to run her out of town except one problem signs and wonders followed her ministry 
And some of her harshest critics began to repent and ask for her forgiveness. And they joined the revival. Same thing happened to Smith Wigglesworth. Same thing to Charles Finney. Heavy resistance. They said, you're not kind. The things you're saying, how could you do that? How could you stand outside a church, Mary Monson of Norway, I believe, and give tracts to Christians who are going to that church for a long time, telling them you need to be born again? Who do you think you are? The revival came. It's a hard thing to speak the hard things for the person who would like to please people. We're here to please God. Paul said, if I would please man, I am not the servant of Christ. But the end goal and the motivation are important. When anyone speaks anything, it seems to be hard to hear. Their motivation is love. And the end goal is conformity to the image of Christ through the truth. Really desiring spiritual maturity. Pleading with God to remove the dullness. There are those who say, show me all the dullness I've got. <laughs> because I don't want to be that way. If I have to change my position, so be it. I want to be right with God. But this business of wonders... When the demonstration of God's power comes in supernatural signs and wonders, only a Judas can watch it and be absolutely unmoved. But many people who are hostile to the truth they just begin to be soundly defeated for all of their gainsaying, slander, because miracles turn heads. Supernatural wonders. There's a fear of God that comes, just like in the book of Acts. And there are things, uh, like Peter said about Paul, he said, our brother Paul, um, there's some things he writes that are hard to understand, but people are wicked. They're not going to get it. They're going to continue their path. They're going to end up in hell. Peter said that. One thing I've learned is that the things that are difficult for me to swallow from Jesus Christ and from his apostles from the Bible questions have come to a point I've taught our children from many years ago since they're very small it's the same thing we teach other people we need to begin with this premise and establish fact the truth God can do no wrong truly because he's perfect Whatever he does, whatever he says is absolutely perfect because he's a righteous God, not just because he has the power, but he's actually righteous, so he can never do wrong. The book of James says 
He doesn't tempt anyone with evil, neither can he be tempted. He's absolutely perfect. He's innocent. He's holy. So when he speaks sharply, when he condemns someone, I don't like it. I need to say, Lord, something's wrong with me. What's up with me? Oh, help me, God. David had a problem with God when Uzzah died because he put his hands where he shouldn't have concerning the ark of God and David was not happy at all. He's not happy with God. He had to learn too. Moses had to learn too. But then you come to a person like Paul and he learned already knowing the scriptures and being led by the Holy Spirit. Nothing recorded about him being upset with God. He was a slave of God and gladly he said, I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'll, I'll tell everybody in the world, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. I love him. I'm happy. I'm ready to die for him and he did. May the Lord help us to say, Lord, would you diagnose me? I know you'll do it out of love. Oh God, show me the remedy, Lord. Lord, you said these people are seeking signs. They're looking for miracles, otherwise they won't believe. And yet, Lord, you use those things to show unbelievers that you're the living God. But for the people who've heard your word, the people who've seen the wonders, they're the people that you renounce because they want to say, give me, give me, give me. I want to see more, I want to see more. And they never commit to you. The adulterous generation. They want to be not a one-woman man, be married. And they want to have girlfriends everywhere while they're married. Lord, you said that's an adulterous generation. Not a woman who has one husband and committed to him but have four or five, maybe more, run around. God says, you can't do that with me. I'm the living God. I love you. Be faithful as I am to you. God washes us to the point where he says to the Corinthians, they were adulterous, a lot of them. But he said, I washed you. You hurt me badly because you are evil. But you came to me and you received my love, my grace, and I forgave you. Now don't you go back doing that evil because if you continue that route, my grace will be of no effect in your life. You're going to end up in hell. Why do people today have a hard time with that message? That you can't two-time God, play hypocrite and expect to go to heaven. Is that hard to understand? Apparently so, because the majority of Christians stop their ears and gnash their teeth and say, get them out of here. This is some legalistic thing somebody's preaching here. Get them out of here. Disrupting our peace and harmony. This is what people preach. And people love it. The moment the hard thing is said, they want to stone the person. 
Somebody says, now, where do you see people wanting to stone people in the U.S.? If looks could kill, if words could break bones, expressions come out. Thoughts are unveiled by the Spirit of God and uh, eventually it comes up. The same thing. Certain places in the old times, they took rocks and they solved their problem. Get rid of the person who's coming and telling us we're wrong. Kill him. Our problem solved. Today it's not that easy to do that publicly at least. But they do kill people with words. May we be tender-hearted and sober and alert and say, Lord, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. Lord, I need to follow every move you have made, Lord Jesus. Every word you've spoken, Lord. I need to be arrested every time you speak to understand why you said what you said and whether I'm supposed to copy you if I'm in such a situation that when you say to say something I would know my father knows best and I have to say it. I have to stand my ground not be moved by emotion or people's reaction because if I would be a people pleaser I cannot be the servant of Christ. There are different pictures of Jesus that we can paint. We can go through the four Gospels, the three synoptic Gospels, and the book of John and pick out where Jesus loves the little children and how he called the little children. He said, suffer the little ones to come to me or don't prevent them. Allow them to come to me. Uh, We can take that picture. We can take another one where he turns the water to wine. Take that picture, snapshot. Uh, Another one where he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. Take that picture. Wonderful. A man born blind, cured by Jesus Christ. Wow. Headlines everywhere. I'm going to collect all those newspaper articles. Jesus showed up to the temple and he caused a big uproar. He literally went in and started throwing out the people and overturned the tables. I don't think I want that in my collection. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you bunch of snakes, who told you to flee the wrath to come? It's like John the Baptist. Similar statements. I don't want that part either. I think I'll scare people if I include that in the story about Jesus. Um, Jesus asked his mom and brothers who are you? My mother, my brothers, they're right here who are listening to me. Who are you? I don't want that either. That's going to disrupt a lot of families, I think. If you love your father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. too much can we get back to the Sunday school Jesus you know where everything is 
warm and fuzzy. And I can sit on Jesus' lap and we can laugh together. And uh, we can win the world by love. And the truth is, God loves everyone. We all God's children. And we're all going to go to heaven. It's just a matter of uh, learning to get along and sitting down. And, you know, instead of fighting with fists, uh, talking with our mouths, you know. It's going to solve the problem. This is a a great problem in the modern church. We don't want to be part of the problem. We want to be part of the solution. We have to read closely how Jesus behaved, what he said, and why he did what he did at certain points, and how he is perfect, and we're supposed to be like him. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Only then, Will all the creepy crawlies come out from under the rock? Because the light will overturn the rock that's hiding the creepy crawlies. And bring them all out. That's how people get set free. And the truth comes. That's how many people who are adulterous, they get arrested on the spot when the Holy Spirit shines a spotlight through anointed preaching. They can't go anywhere. They begin to squirm. Thank God for that. Because most other places, they're very comfortable. Very comfortable. The person who's alcoholic, very comfortable. Deacon drinking, what's wrong with that? Dunkin' Donuts. And a drink. They go well together. We can talk about football, open up a book, let's have a little... Men's study and uh, this man talking about this and that and adventure. and Wow, it's a man thing. Let's all joke around, kid each other. And uh, hey, brother, buddy, you want to pray and close this out in prayer? Yeah, why not? Uh, we thank you, Lord, for being with us. And thank you, Lord, for showing us some stuff from the book. And uh, I thank you for my brothers. I know this one's in adultery and that one's drinking and that one's beating his wife. And this one is cheating on the job and... Uh, but we're all God's children. Thank you so much for your grace. Amen. Okay, let's huddle and let's muddle. We'll be back next Tuesday or next Thursday or Friday. We're going to have another men's meeting. It's going to be fantastic. You know why? We're going to have a beer-guzzling football player, and he loves Christ, and he's coming to show you a few tricks of how to make it in this life. Sad, but so true in so many places so many places so many places the same thing with the women watching soap operas disgusting things perverted things reading novels that are trashy but you know the fingernails are shiny the hair is done just right adulterous eyes successful isn't that what success is? God is very angry with the wicked every day, says in the Psalms. Very angry. And woe to the preacher that comes and says, God loves you. And I'm not going to say anything about you wanting to change your ways or having to change your ways. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not that kind of preacher. I'm the people's pastor. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. God was burning 
at the false prophets, burning at those people that called themselves pastors. He said, you're destroying my flock. He was angry. That's the only way people are going to wake up. Not by telling them lies. By telling the truth. Because the ultimate objective is that they don't end up in hell, where they can't come out. Nobody's going to go and preach there. It's over. The time is now to say, are you living right? Are you walking right? Are you thinking right? Are you understanding the word right? Do you have a passion to want to know? If not, what are you doing calling yourself a Christian? What are you doing carrying a Bible? You want to be your own Lord, but you want to call Jesus Lord? Would to God that more people would preach that. And let the stones come. As one of the prophets said, when he's being stoned, he said, God will see to it. You can kill me. But God will see to what you're doing. You're going to have to pay. Where did he go? Instantly. He was in paradise. But the other people, they said, oh, we got rid of him. We're going to live another 20, 30, maybe 65 years. Who knows? But at the end of that, like a vapor, they're going to drop right into hell. Jesus loves us. Healing is the children's bread. Hallelujah. Deliverance. But we have to have the whole gospel. We have to have such a fear of God, not just go for the freebies. But to say, Lord, help me to be a man, a woman of integrity. To have your fear in my bones and to preach what you want me to preach, not what people want. What I like to preach in my flesh. That they may be true children of God and be true disciples. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us to pray with love, Lord, even as the words come out. That you want us to speak the hard things. The diagnosis that nobody wants to give, but the only way to cause people to seek a cure. Help us to be those people. Be faithful to you, Lord. There's a time to have righteous anger and to speak words that are not palatable. But Lord, we just want to be faithful to you. Bring your glory and see people repent instead of drown in their sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for deliverance, Lord, for those like this nobleman who would choose to believe your word, oh God. And thank you, Lord, for doing miracle after miracle in our church, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, people, even yesterday, Lord, we're hearing the fruit of one member of the family coming to this church or being in touch with this church, this ministry. How the entire family is having a ripple effect for the better, by the work of the Holy Spirit. As opposed to families going together to church, everybody doing their own thing in a pretentious religion. Thank you for the miracles you're doing here, Lord. Confirming your word with signs and wonders. Father, thank you for giving us a deeper understanding today. Reinforcing not hate speech or angry words. But the truth, 
It cuts through the lies so that people can wake up from death sleep. Lord, your fear came upon us because we heard the whole truth. And we woke up. Christ gave us light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The grace of God brings salvation to all men as appeared to us, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly desires, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. Lord, your word goes on to say, Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Your name be glorified and honored in your church. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen.